The Joy Unleashed show empowers and inspires women to reclaim their joy. We provide tools, resources, and connections to help you unlock your true potential through engaging conversations, expert insights, and transformative stories. We create a vibrant and inclusive community where women can break free from the limitations that hold them back. I'm joyologist Colleen Greco, and it is my honor to be your host. Let's get right into the show. Welcome to another episode of Joy Unleashed, and I am so excited today to introduce you to a very special woman in my life. Um, and I wasn't going to reveal this at the beginning, but then I just said, whatever, you know, it's, uh, I'm so excited to be talking to her. It's my niece and her name is Amelia Morrison, but she is one of the most remarkable women you'll meet. So I can't wait to, uh, spend the next several minutes, uh, introducing you to her, talking about, uh, joy as it relates to her life, um, and all the amazing work that she's doing to leave this world a better place than how she found it. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Amelia to the stage. Hello, gorgeous. Hello. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Thank you for being here. It's so nice to see your beautiful face. I'm just really humbled and my heart feels good. So thank you. It's really lovely. I'm glad we're doing this. Me too. So, um, I let the cat out of the bag in the beginning because I was too excited. And uh, we are related. You are my niece, my sister's daughter, sister's only daughter. Um, and for those that are listening and watching, Amelia has been this old soul since the day <laughs> she was born. We would always say this, this girl's been on the planet before. She has done some pretty remarkable work. So for her to lead the life that she's living now is no surprise. It's a hundred percent what she was, you know, put on this earth to do. And, uh, I'm, I'm positive it's enveloped in joy. So why don't you give us an idea of what you're doing today and, um, and you know, how that, you know, kind of fills up your cup. Thank you for invoking that part of any, any of the childhood material you could have drawn from there's, <laughs> There's Listen, a I can go on for hours. We're just starting. I'm just like, I want to warm people up a little bit. Um, but I'm coming to you today from the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Um, I'm in between life phases right now. I've just come out of two years of study at the Center for Justice and Peace Building, where I've been studying conflict transformation with the intention to work with climate justice advocacy. And that's been something that my life has centered around for the last almost 10 years since coming to college and being exposed to people who were um, trying to do grassroots activism to try and create more infrastructure around preparing for making us resilient to the ways that our society is kind of struggling with climate change and pollution and health and all the implications of that. So I'm living on an organic farm and working a lot with different practitioners who are growing trees and 
Um, specifically, my partner's nursery is a partner organization that I work with quite a bit, Silver Run Forest Farm, who are really focused on helping other Black, Indigenous, and people of color farmers start tree nurseries, um, fruit and nut tree nurseries, watershed remediation nurseries. And that's what led to my work hosting my own podcast over the last two years, because I wanted to collect stories about the ways that people had found uh, infrastructure for creating purpose and meaningful work that aligns with their values in their lives. And that's called the Wild Honey Collective. So that's sort of what I'm up to at the moment. I love it. And thank you for plugging Wild Honey Collective, or I would have. So <laughs> I'm glad you did. Um, but I want to touch on something that, you know, you sort of, um, you sparked a thought, which is, and I was just having this conversation with um, a boy in our um, community that, you know, wasn't wasn't given the the same opportunities that maybe some of his peers were given. And so he's trying to piece college together. And we were talking about, you know, when I grew up, you know, Pa's whole thing was when you graduate high school, when you go to college, when you get married, when you have kids, that is the order. And that is what you do. Um, I happened, at least at the time, uh, to agree with that. And so that was the path I took. And it's interesting, like I'm interested in what you felt that logical order was for you and if that is the path you indeed followed and what you've learned along the way. That is a great question. I feel differently about it now, just like you, as than I did at the time. Um, so I'll start back, you know, when it was current. But my parents are very intelligent people who have been very committed to academia for their entire lives and who experience a lot of transformation and opportunity from academia. And I think that has always been the expectation in both of our families, um, meaning like both sides more largely of our families. So when I was 16, we made a big move across the country. So I finished high school in Virginia in an area where I didn't have a lot of context or connection to in-state schools. So it's not like I grew up being rah-rah, like excited about a particular school. And so I chose my school because it was in the mountains and it's and one of my best friends wanted to go there and it seemed like generic enough and you know you could you could study anything and i decided to go there so there was it's actually amazing how little consideration was involved and then i found myself there and i was like i'm going to study english because i love to read and write and within a semester i had changed my major which is part of like the whole story about me getting involved with climate justice work. But now I feel very much like I could have considered that a lot more. It's probably the biggest investment that anyone has made at a single time into my life. 
um, ever. So yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit, it's a little bit um, with hindsight, like that could have gone differently, but at the same time, I very quickly found my world opened up and there's no way that I, it could have been different. I think the place that it's led me has, has served me well. So I can't speak for your parents, but I can speak as a parent that all we want, all I want is for my kids to discover who they are as early in life as possible so they can do the thing that they're meant to do. And so you did that. So I would think they're, you know, overjoyed with the fact that you know, that you were able to find yourself, whether or not you pursue a career in English related to English or literature or anything like that, I don't think really matters. It's the fact that you are living authentically and, you know, with a full heart. I would have to believe they would agree with me on that. So and look at this I and let them know because that would be interesting. Day. What's that? I'm speaking it every day. So you can't say yeah. I'm not using. <laughs> and maybe you should be in marketing. That was an interesting pivot. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, going into, into authenticity, I mean, where did you, what were the, the things, if you're comfortable sharing, what, what were like the events that took place that, you know, that allowed you the freedom or um, the insight to move into that authentic space where you felt like this is where I need to be investing my time and energy and heart. Yeah. Well, authenticity is such an interesting choice of words because it's, it's been a long progression to find myself within the thing that ultimately led me there. And I think it's probably an ongoing journey, but I go back to my first semester of college. I was signing up for as many different organizations to be involved in as possible. I was, I put my name out there and I was very interested in getting involved, but I wouldn't have necessarily chosen to volunteer had it not been for a general education literature course that had a community service learning requirement attached to it. I think it was like 20 hours a semester. Um, and wow. I was placed, I filled out a, a questionnaire and I was placed at a place that was described as gardening with the homeless, which now I would alter that description a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I showed up there um, I was the only student in the class who was placed there, but I showed up there. And what I walked into was this one-of-a-kind urban village that was a conglomerate of, like, six different houses kind of on the edge of town that had combined all of their backyard space into this um, community gardening space. The concept that they were that they were working from is a design system called permaculture. And permaculture is a system of design that mimics the patterns and relationships in nature to create 
um, both more ecologically and more humanistically um, efficient and intelligent uh, systems to grow food, to uh, reduce energy waste, <clears throat> um, and a, a wide variety of applications. This was being used for community gardening. And it was very inspired by the like rural countryside of Guatemala where the founder had spent a lot of time. So it kind of just felt like you were stepping into another world. And one of the driving principles of this site, which is known as Vine and Fig, New Community Project is the larger nonprofit, was that um, we have a lot of we have a lot of things that we know we want to say no to in our society, but we want to build something that you can say yes to. And so it was a very empowering place to be. And I did my 20 hours there and I never stopped volunteering. And I, I stayed involved over four years of my college experience. I got involved with grassroots activism for climate justice in our community, working with the city government and with lots of different citizens and civilians. And I even went on to do an, a year long internship after I graduated college where I lived and worked there and just continued to deepen my work with their, their organization and the wide variety of people that they worked with, um, which included people who were coming out of difficult life circumstances and were housed in supportive living at one of the six houses. So that was like the gardening with the homeless <laughs> project that I I got. love it. But you're also you're you're picking up life skills of your own, but you're also teaching these these people that are homeless, you know, maybe life skills that they hadn't learned or giving them resources that maybe nobody else um, would offer them. So, I mean, you are, you're giving back. Um, you know, we were talking before the show about, you know, being able to, you know, tap into your abundance and, and pay that forward. And so that's, that's what you were doing there, which is amazing. I would say that we taught each other a lot and it wasn't like, necessarily from our positions in life so much as our personalities. Um, there was a lot of exchange that happened. And interestingly, like a lot of the young people who were really passionate about climate work and environmentalism, who were a part of that space had like traveled all around the world and, you know, like, you could say that my carbon footprint was actually much higher than any of the people who were, you know, supposedly learning from this project. But we we taught each other a lot in that way. And it was, I'd say, the most valuable thing that I learned from that was kind of recognizing the lack of exposure that I'd had to people from a different class, from a lower social class than me like there was just a big cultural divide that started to bridge during that time and there was a lot of value that came from that that's amazing so one of the things that i want to get into um 
but I'll throw you a couple of softballs because I promised to do that. And I actually didn't do that in the beginning. I just jumped right in. So number one, I need to know what your hype song is. I asked that of every guest. What is the, the song that if, I don't know, maybe you're <clears throat> prepping, prepping for an interview or doing something important that you have to put on to kind of get the juices flowing. Absolutely. Um, so the answer is Beyonce. I need to look up the name of the song because I can't remember it right now, but it's the song that's like, I feel like falling in love. I don't have to. Well, Uncle Steve is going to shame us when he hears this, that I didn't just come out with the, the title. But is that <laughs> from your time in uh, in Houston that you became part of the Beatles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> I love it. I can't remember the name of the song right now. I'm so sorry. I just hear it and it goes on. I know. And I'm singing it in my head. I can't think of it either. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's listening to this, you know, saying like, it's this, it's this. My other softball, not so much as a, not so much of a softball as the first question is what brings you joy? So what are the things that just light you up that, you know, like it just, you know, it feels good. It's almost like the sun is shining down in your face and you feel like there's a warm blanket wrapped around you. Spontaneous dance parties with my friends. I would say like put put the music on, start moving, and I feel that sense of being lit up and the way that you can kind of see the energy of the room with other people change when a song that you really love comes on. That's definitely anytime I need a little bit of replenishment, that's where I go. That does not surprise me at all. I'm immediately taken back to my wedding where <laughs> Amelia was a flower girl. Let's see, were you like six, five? It must have been, yeah, something like that. 2001. Five. Five. Okay. And you you tore the bottom of your dress. <laughs> Everybody was like, whatever, it's tour. But like, you did not stop dancing that entire <laughs> night. And everybody, I still get comments about that today, 22 years later. 22 years tomorrow, in fact. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. We're recording in September. My anniversary is September 22nd. Oh, you're, a, you're an equinox. Mary. I'm like, it's today. Today's Thursday, isn't it? I don't know. Well, today is Wednesday, the twenty. Wednesday. <laughs> you get another birthday's on the twenty second, whenever that is. <laughs> oh, what a riot! Yeah. So, yeah, you just brought me right back to, in the part of my video where you're just like spinning, spinning, spinning. <laughs> so, thank you for that. Um, so, I think what you're touching on is is so important to like double click into, which is, you know, leading a purpose-driven life. And a lot of people that I'm coaching right now are, you know, women in their forties that, you know, did, did the things maybe in the right order that was, you know, kind of scripted for them, mm -hmm. uh, maybe not their choice. And then they're married and then they have kids and then they sort of realize like, I have lost myself completely. And, it's usually around this time where they start taking a look at their life and 
and it happened to me six years ago where I just said like, this is, this is not the end of my story. This is not how this goes. I am not happy. And I did a massive shift. Um, and it took a trauma to do that. You know, I can now say fortunately, but at the time it was anything but fortunate, but it took a trauma to get me to really take a, a really hard look and make sure I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. And so as a result, I left my corporate IT marketing career and I've pursued this career as a joyologist, which is I'm doing mindset coaching and nutrition coaching for women that feel like they have just lost joy in their life for whatever reason. Um, what's interesting to me is that's how you, at least this is what it, it, it appears to be from what you're saying. So correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how you're living. And I think that is almost like a generational shift, although I'm not that much older than you, but it would be really interesting to, to dive into that a little bit. You know, how much of your life do you feel like you have denied the shoulds and the need tos for what like your heart is telling you, you should, you, I'm using should now, but for what your heart is saying is the right direction for you. Yeah. I think that's fascinating because, well, let me take a drink of water because my voice is a little bit <clears throat> tired today. No worries. <clears throat> I think that my generation is grappling with the question in a different way than the previous generation Y or X. And, and that they also took a different approach than the boomers their parents' generation, who were very much like you said, our grandfather was like, there's an order to things, obviously. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you and with your career, you know, you either were a doctor or a lawyer or a tradesperson, you know, things were very categorical in that way. And I think every generation has a different way of trying to grapple with this question, but none of us have the answers. For, for my generation, we're very focused on looking at the system, I think. We're looking at the systemic drivers of ec economics and quality of life in our society and recognizing, A, that things are inherently unequal. I think my generation is extremely concerned with inequality, social inequality and economic inequality. Totally even right. though It's still very much a battle for us on ideologically on the spectrum of who should gain representation and rights. But we're very concerned with that issue. And I also think we're very concerned with personal freedom over um, professional success. There's a question that many of us are grappling with and not all of us are going to answer it in the same way, but I have, um, I have really chosen so far to let my 20s be the time where I explore and live my life. I've traveled a lot. I just came back from two two months of traveling after, you know, doing the classic, like, 
I'm quitting my job, I'm finishing my degree, and I'm like going to, out to explore. And traveling alone, just having these experiences. Um, I've also just given myself a lot of time to figure out who I am. Um, and I think that's what we're meant to do as we age. It, it's not over in our 20s, for sure. I think no. <laughs> your 40s, I think, are a really pivotal time for that. But And I can't wait until I'm 40 and I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, but I, the way that I've approached my professional life in balance with my personal life has been to give myself time to try things and then to say no. And <clears throat> there's a cost to that. Like you have to reckon with the restraints of needing financial security. But I think there's more freedom than a lot of us um, allow ourselves to believe. So I've been trying to find a balance. I don't think I really answered that question. I just rambled about a lot of no. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. No, because it, so it's interesting too that you say, you know, in your 40s, you'll say, I know who I am. I actually believe now, then I, I probably would have said the same thing, but I believe now you just constantly change. You're constantly like a work in progress. I believe the day I die will be the day that I know who I am, truly. I think I'm always going to be changing. Um, and you're reminding me of when I was 26. Yeah. I had broken up with my boyfriend of six years and quit my job, put grad school on hold and said like, I need to, I need to like clear the, the, the table and just reset everything. And what's interesting is that's what I did just six years ago too. I said mm -hmm. like enough, clear the table, reset. Um, I took a hard look at who my friends were, what my social media input was, because that is extremely toxic. If you just let it be what it is. You have to choose what your social media uh, setup is. I, I did all of that. I, I changed all my relationships for the ones that were bi-directional because I have a, a very long history of supporting a lot of takers, but not people that actually give to me anything. <laughs> so that can be pretty draining. So I think it's interesting. Um, and, and even now I think I'm up leveling again, you know, and it's, it's talking to, you know, some folks the other day about like you get to a place and then you feel like really good about it. And you're like, okay, what's next? Like, let's do more. Let's see what, you know, how we can make a deeper impact, a better impact. You're taking the impact from a global view, which is like, like my mind is blowing. I think I'm doing it like one-on-one -on -one with people, like trying to get them to bring joy back into their life that, you know, for whatever reason has been silenced or taken away. Um, but the, the work you're doing is on such a massive level. Um, like I really, really applaud you for that. 
So you should feel really good about that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think um, what I'm also trying to say that I didn't get to was um, <laughs> that I think generationally we're coming to a more expansive view of like, there are many different ways to live your life. Like going back to that boomer is like, there's an order to things, you, you kook. And then <laughs> to, to today, there's kind of this sense that social media has expanded and like the, the technology of our age has expanded and things like that, that there is no prescription and that can be very overwhelming, but it also, and it doesn't solve problems, but it it's, I think that's one of the main things that characterizes like the direction that we're moving. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll it'll also we'll see it swing back as we kind of reach the logical conclusion of like we can be anything, and then <laughs> our kids will be like, "Can I have something a little bit simpler?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can tell you when I was applying to colleges, I was I was going to be an accountant from the time I was in fourth grade. An accountant, like, can you even see me as that? No. <laughs> But I didn't know that. <laughs> well, it was your aunt that said, hey, I don't think you're like you have too much personality to be an accountant. If you think about the things that you do naturally, you're public facing, you're customer service, like you're always in service to others. All the jobs I had had, which at that point were like five or so, were always interacting with people and trying to make their day a little bit better. In fact, Pa always used to say, I named you right. So Colleen Joyce, girl happy, right? That's what it means in Gaelic. And that's, that's always been my thing. And that didn't occur to me that that was like my path until, like I said, about, about six years ago, but I was going to be an accountant. What? Hey, no. Thank God she chimed in. Literally, what's that? No shade on the accountants listening. (laughs) No shade on the accountants, but that is not where you want me, right? (laughs) I'm I'm kind of like a big picture thinker. I can, like, I'm not going to balance a balance sheet very well. I'll I'll definitely (laughs) screw it up. There's got to be a formula for that. But no, it was was right before my applications were due that she was like, I think you really want to take another look at this. And thank God, because I can't even imagine where I would have been. And all it's like all of those collective experiences have brought me to where I am today. So it's, it's really cool how just some simple things that people can say or do just like help to keep you on your path. Yeah. Love it. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day about like, do you remember a time when you were uninhibited where you didn't care what anybody else thought when you didn't care about, the way that you looked or whether or not your clothes matched or, you know, does this shirt make me look fat or any, any of those things that we all have at one point or another in our life. And I have, I come back to this, I have this picture. I have to go in my attic and get it, but I was nine and I have not felt that level of freedom since I was nine. And that's my, my new goal is to get back to, my nine-year-old self where I didn't care what people thought. I didn't, 
not that I let myself go. I didn't do that, but I definitely still on some level care what people think and care, you know, how I, you know, show up in situations. But that nine-year-old girl didn't. And it is so evident in that picture. I can't wait to get it. And uh, I don't know if I'll be brave enough to share it one day, but do you, do you have a, like a similar experience or have you always held on to that, that version of yourself? Definitely haven't always held on to that version of my childhood self. I don't know who can do that all the time, but what comes to my mind is um, when I was 24, I was going through some of the most beautiful, like, 20s experiences of, you know, that are just kind of those transformative times where a year feels like so much. And I was living with one of my best friends. Um, We lived in this house that was just a mess. Like, it wasn't even (laughs) available for rent when we found it but we were able to convince the landlord to cut us a deal and we had when i tell you no money like i mean i don't know how i was living because i was able to find all of my resources food and clothes and all these things for free which is a whole story but i was so happy during that time and i think this is the time where like we would find ourselves just like in those spontaneous dance parties or like we would find a bunch of food from one of our like we'd find it for free get all of this food bring it back to the house cook an enormous meal and then invite whoever we could find over to eat with us and just have like a picnic in our yard and i was I was living like so like ragtag in the best way possible. And I felt just invincible. I felt like we could rewrite all of the rules. And at the end of the day, we would always kind of sit on our living room floor and be like, let's talk to the universe. And we would be like, universe, here's... (laughs) (laughs) here's what we want um, this time next year. And we'd say three things or something. And they all came, like every single thing that we've had asked for has come to be. And some of them were very specific and unlikely, seemed unlikely at the time. (laughs) But we we were just like invincible during that time. And we were running around town, you know, like reading poetry in the street while we were walking through the center of town. And it seemed like this way that we were like fairies in a world of muggles. (laughs) I think I'm the muggle in that situation, but that's okay. That's okay. No, I think that's amazing. And that's, that's so true. And the power of manifestation, I mean, you cannot deny it. You have to, you know, put out there what that, which you wish to receive. And it's, it's, I, I, 
I'm going to mess up the, the quote, but it's basically like, don't ask, don't get. So it's like, you have to put it out there if that's what your heart truly wants and it will come. It won't necessarily come on your time or in the same shape or color or, you know, package that you want it, but it might be even better. And that's, that's been, you know, my experience. I mean, to go from where I was six years ago, and I'm speaking about me, but I know I'm speaking really for my whole family, but where we were six years ago to where we are today, we could not have dreamt that on our best day. So it's, it is really important to put it out there. And I love that. So I'll wrap this up by um, uh, asking you, what are your daily practices of joy? And I have to, I have to give a selfish plug to my best-selling journal, which I'm going to send you a copy of because I'm very proud of it. And it's called the Daily Doses of Joy. Daily Dose of Joy. I'm sorry, misspoke. <laughs> um, but w- that's one of my must-do daily practices to keep myself grounded, keep myself firmly re- rooted in joy. Uh, meditation is another one. Um, you know, I, and I always have to go for a run or some sort of physical movement. And I love to do little dance parties. Um, I do them on my own before the dogs and Steve wake up. But what are some of the things that you do on a daily or, you know, many times during the week basis that help you to stay rooted in your purpose? Well, like you, I really need some kind of movement every day and some kind of like reflective time. And about a year ago, I had been trying to implement a daily yoga practice every morning, um, as well as meditation, like before going to work. And I I was finding that it wasn't fitting into my schedule appropriately. So what I started doing was Every morning, I just have to, I tell myself, all you have to do is three sun salutations, which is the flow of a yoga sequence. It's kind of the base. Um, Three minutes of meditation and have three drinks, a bunch of water, tea, and then coffee in that order. (laughs) And then I also have most nights try to go on a walk around sunset with my partner and we live in a beautiful beautiful farm that overlooks the mountains and it makes me feel like I'm properly appreciating the beauty of the place where I live it's a time for us to connect and it's also um, a way to connect to all of the beautiful reminders that what's going on here is only a very small fraction of what is. And so it kind of opens up my mind and is like, whatever's going on during the day at that time, I can kind of remember that there's all of this life happening around me, literally like such an ecosystem. And it really grounds me and makes me feel so much gratitude, which brings me joy. Amen, sister. What a great way to wrap this up. This has been an amazing conversation. And I really want to thank you for um, being willing to participate. A. Eh? <laughs> did, did you have an option? I feel I feel like I kind of told you you were just you were coming on, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it was willing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
hopefully, uh, you know, the, the listeners today can take lots of what you said and apply it to their own life because it is really inspirational and it's, it is going to help a lot of people to then get on their own path to purpose. And that is, that is all we can ask for is to just, you know, give them little bits um, that they can kind of put in their toolbox and apply to their own life. So if people want to get in touch with you, this is your Instagram, wildhoney.collective. Yes. And um, really just from the bottom of my heart, I really thank you for being on today's show. And I love you. I love you. Thank you so much. Well, that was another episode of Joy Unleashed with the beautiful and spiritual and just full of life, Amelia Morrison. She is amazing. Check her out on Instagram. And until next time. The Joy Unleashed show 